We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into the Monday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, a very long, about an hour and 15 minutes or so, visit with Ryan Brown, our friend from Birmingham, uh, Ryan's got a new uh, media venture that he'll talk a little bit about. He has to be kind of careful as we tape this on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that, about what led to it, what to expect from it, uh, a little bit about just taking a bet on yourself, that leap that sometimes we have to do in life. Uh, Ryan and, and uh, his friends, Jim Dunaway, and those guys definitely doing that there in Birmingham. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the upcoming college football season, the calendar about to turn to July, the focus about to turn exclusively to uh, football, college football, the NFL, a lot of college football discussion in this conversation with Ryan. I think you will thoroughly enjoy it, and we'll get to it in just a minute. First, I want to tell you that, as always, the Oxford Exxon podcast is brought to you by the Oxford Exxon right there on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Uh, be a great place to get your uh, – Ribs and that kind of thing for your big weekend extravaganza coming up. Um, also, great place to get uh, beer, refreshments, snacks. Of course, always a great place to uh, clean, uh, fill up uh, daiquiris. It's always clean there at the Oxford Exxon. Great people. Uh, ben Craddock and everyone at the Oxford Exxon has been with us for as long as this show's been going on. So do us a favor. If you're in Oxford, head out there to uh, Highway 6 West and uh Get all of your uh, all your needs taken care of there. If you're coming into Oxford, leaving Oxford, make that your stop when you fill up um, to um, when you get into town or when you're leaving town. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, Ryan Brown joins us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food uh, on the Square in Oxford, also in New Albany. And don't forget about this weekend, Rafters on the Water, their big Fourth of July extravaganza, uh, margaritas, daiquiris. Uh, great waterfront views and also the biggest fireworks display in North Mississippi. All of that. We'll have more details on that. I'll make sure Chase gets that to you as uh, as the week goes along and we get closer to uh, July 4th. 
Uh, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Again, 662-257-1900 for the fine people at Clark Ford. So without further ado, I talked to Ryan Brown on Friday afternoon. Like I said, he gave me an hour and almost 15 minutes of his time. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy the conversation. We taped right at the beginning of the NC State Vanderbilt fiasco on Friday afternoon. NC State having about half their team out of uh, essentially a national semifinal game against Vanderbilt because of a positive COVID test and contact tracing. We talked about that, about how that's going to be a topic as this season, college football season approaches. So that was the beginning of the conversation. Then we got into Ryan's venture about nine, ten minutes in and uh, then talked about 45 minutes of college football ended with Ryan's thought on Arch Manning and how that might all play out as Arch visited uh, Alabama last weekend. So it's been a point of topic of conversation in uh, in that state as well so again here's ryan brown uh can't even say where he's can't give the old radio call sign anymore so that would get me and him in trouble so i won't do that our buddy ryan brown here on the rafters music and food hotline enjoy our pal ryan brown kind enough to spend a good bit of time with uh me here on a uh, it's friday afternoon you guys are hearing this it, for my time next week, by the time you hear this, you'll know that Ryan and I taped this as the NC State Vanderbilt, uh, what will probably one day soon be a COVID game, famous COVID game is ongoing. We were just talking about that. We'll talk about it with you in a minute. Uh, big news for Ryan and uh, his, uh, I guess, radio partners, former radio partners. They're, uh, they're former, former, yeah. former, former radio partners. We'll talk about that in a minute. First, Ryan, thanks for being uh, with us. How are you? Neil, I am wonderful. I, uh, it is, as you said, a Friday afternoon. I'm just sitting back here on my screen, Dan. It is a pleasant Birmingham June afternoon, and I'm enjoying life. I hope you and your family are as well. We are. I've got vacation coming up. By the time people hear this, I anticipate being on vacation, so I'll be away. But I want to start with this because I think it's a really good launching pad to a lot of topics. This NC State COVID situation, as we tape this, it's, uh, I think, second inning in Omaha, North Carolina State has 14 players available to them today. They're, one of their pitchers is playing first base, getting his first at-bat of the season against Vanderbilt. So by the time you hear this, this game will certainly be over. This story will have been told over and over and over. But I find today to be it, – it's a fascinating day because of what's happening in Omaha. But what's more interesting to me, and I suspect it is interesting to you as well, is to – Watch the disparate reaction on social media from those who are uh, of a conservative bent and those who are of a very liberal bent. The liberal reaction to this today is essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, but I've about got it nailed, Ryan. Well, that's what they get if they would have just gotten vaccinated. The conservative response to that, it's one that I share, is, well, no, wait a minute. These are young people. They're all presumably 18 to 21, 
22. They're all healthy. Um, despite all of the fear about all the young people that were going to die of COVID, all the young athletes that were going to die of COVID, no one did. And here we are um, a year and a half after all of this at the College World Series in North Carolina State who went to the Ruston Regional, Louisiana Tech, and, and rolled through it, went to Fayetteville, played the number one ranked team in the country, Arkansas, defeated them, came back from uh, one game down, defeated them on Arkansas's turf in front of a rowdy Razorback crowd, goes to Omaha, wins their first two games. On the cusp of getting to the championship series, they have this happen to them. And the the disparate reaction is just amazing to me. And I I know it is to you. I'm just kind of curious. I know you've had a lot going on today, but have you paid much attention to it? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it it, it kind of, um, I was not, I'm just going to be 100 percent honest with you. Not really paying close attention to that game, but I saw the news break and I was like, "Man, I really thought we were past this." Not that COVID is over, but I thought we were past the one guy tested positive for COVID, so half the team is out days. I thought those days were over. Um, I guess I knew COVID policies were still in place. It's so weird. I, I was reading um, just this morning actually about some of the uh, professional golfers that are upset about how over-the-top the COVID precautions are at the British Open to the point that some are actually talking about skipping the the season's last major, um, which is unheard of. And, um, you know, that, that this kind of happened on the hills of that today. Uh, it is very strange to me that we're still here. Like, I think we're dealing with a very, uh, a very safe group of people and the coaches have had ample time to get um, to get vaccinated. If a coach is not vaccinated, it's because he has chosen not to be. It's not because there was a lack of opportunity for him to be vaccinated. Um, the players are also in that same window, but the players are at far less risk than the coaches or the umpires. And again, we're playing an outdoor sport that is, by and large, other than the dugout, naturally spaced out to that magical six feet that uh, COVID cannot travel over. So... Um, and, and then, by the way, didn't we didn't we have some research that said all this time six feet probably in the outdoor situations was not that important? That it was like sixty feet or something like that. <laughs> What's the key distance? I don't know. It just I I thought we were past this, Neil. It just really doesn't make sense that we're still dealing with these things. Why do you think we're still dealing with it? Why do you think? And I mean, listen, young people, football programs. We're going to talk some football in a little bit, and they are reporting to. They are reporting to football programs or have reported to football programs all over the country, and there are two sets of rules. There's a set of rules for players who are vaccinated, and there is a set of rules for players who are not vaccinated. I find it to be insane that we're doing yeah. this to young people. I do. I, you know, my, my, I'll, I'll give you an anecdote here. My, my daughter Caroline is 18. She starts college in August, and a minute ago she was like, quit talking about it. I'm tired of talking about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. And I said, well, you know, Carolyn, what would have happened if you had made the dance team in Arkansas? She tried out, made one of the first rounds of cuts, didn't make the rest. And I said, what would have happened if you had made it? And, you know, she does not want to get vaccinated. She's worried about what it possibly could do to to fertility down the road. She just wants to see more before she takes the vaccine. And I said, what would you have done if you had made that team and then you were getting ready to go to a competition with that team. And one of the prerequisites for participating in that competition was you had to be vaccinated. 
that puts you in a really difficult spot. It's interesting to me how so many people in our field and in, in, in sports media are saying today, well, you know, you knew that you, that, that you were going to get tested and you should have just gotten vaccinated. I find that to be, I'm always amazed at that because I always wonder when those people say that, do you have kids? Do you have college age kids? Do you, and, and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm rambling, Ryan, but I, I, I find, I find it just to be, to be incredible. And I know we're facing more of this in the fall. It's coming. It's, it's going to happen. There's going to be the big story. It's absolutely going to happen. A team's going to have unvaccinated players. Someone's going to test positive. They're going to do the, the, the tracing thing. And a team's going to play a, 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 a rivalry game or something with 20-something guys in, in, in social tracing. And the response is going to be, well, you should have had your whole team yeah. vaccinated. Yeah, and I, and I am very uncomfortable with that conversation. I, I guess I just approach things from – and I'm not one that is skeptical of the vaccination. I've had it. I, I got it back in early May. Uh, late April and early May were my two shots. So I'm very comfortable getting it. My wife got it very, very early. She's in, um, in healthcare. My two daughters have not had it and I am not encouraging them to get it because they are in an incredibly low risk group. And one of them is 16. One of them is seven. The seven year old wouldn't be eligible anyway. I don't think it's necessary for the 16 year old. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I guess it's my approach in life, Neil, that in the United States, I think we have a personal liberties. And I think one of the personal liberties is you deciding what you inject into your body and to your system. For instance, do you know everybody you've come in contact with has had the polio vaccine? No, it's, it's something I, I never wake up thinking about. I, I don't either. And I'm certain I've had it, and I guess the one I got is good for life, or I don't have to go back and get a second one, do I? No, um, I, I don't. I don't know how that works. I guess you're good. I'm, I know there's yeah. booster shots at certain points, and yeah. So I mean, I just you know, there again, we we I don't know how long it's been since um, the polo vaccine came on the scene. What was that in the '50s? So we're to the point now where you don't even think twice about that. Right. And, and that's just kind of the way I operate. I've had the vaccine. I'm vaccinated. It does not mean I still can't get it. I, I, the, the one time I had the flu was the year I got the flu vaccine. I generally go without getting the flu vaccine uh, and I never get the flu. So but it's just not something I live my life thinking about. And, um, you know, I, I'm certainly not one that would tell someone you have to have this injected into your body and you really don't have a place to ask questions about it. You do it. To me, that's a scary line of thinking. That is a line of thinking that has led a lot of other countries in our in our history down a really dangerous path that has ended in destruction. And um, I just I don't I don't view it that way. No, I'm the same way. You know, I've, my listeners know this because we've talked about it. I mean, I'm vaccinated. I took it. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure why I did it. I, I think I took it because I saw something like this coming. Uh, I thought. It was certainly possible that for us to be able to go to SEC media days, I didn't know what, what the SEC would do uh, for us to go to, you know, to cover a game on, on campus or on the whatever, you'd have to be vaccinated. I didn't know. And I said, I'll just get it. You know, and my wife's vaccinated. My kids are not vaccinated and they don't want to get it yet. And it's not 
I, I resent that you're anti-vax. No, I'm not anti-vax. My kids are completely vaccinated for every approved vaccination there is. Yeah, the minute they were born, basically. Right? Yeah, I mean, we were doing vaccines uh, the the moment they were supposed to be vaccinated. And my kids, yeah. you know, my girls even got the HPV or whatever it's called vaccine that is somewhat controversial out there because I asked my doctor, what do you think? And she said, I would absolutely do it. And I said, okay, I trust you. Same doctors have said, I don't know that I would do this just yet with young people. I can't say that out loud, but that's what I think. And I don't know that I would do it with young people. And I would just wait and make sure. And then look in, in, in a year, two years from now, when it's fully approved, if it's fully approved and they say, okay, different deal. Uh, and, and by that point, u- universities and high schools and such might mandate it, but there's a reason that public schools aren't mandating it yet. It's because they can't, it's not, yeah. it's not, uh, it hasn't hit that that point of the process. Anyway, I asked you before we got started if you could talk about this because sometimes people can't talk about this. And you said, hey, I'm my own boss now. So <laughs> the last time that we talked to you, you were not your own boss. What uh, what, what can you tell us about what's going on with uh, with your career and, and uh, the guys that, that you've been working with? Well, um, and I hope you and your listeners will understand that there are still some things I have to be very careful about saying. So uh, I will choose my words in some spots. Um, but just, you know, kind of from a 30,000 foot view, we, we chose to leave radio. Uh, I, we had done work for WJOX, a collective 77 years, myself, Jim Dunaway, Lance Taylor, and Rockstar, our producer, Sean Henniger, um, 77 years collectively and had had a phenomenal experience. It was not something that we were upset about. There was no one thing where we you know, threw up our fist in rage and said, we'll never come back here. There, We were at the end of our contract. We were in contract negotiations with them. And um, I wouldn't qualify those as going poorly, um, especially considering the environment the entire world financially is in right now. I, I think they were very fair to us in some of the things they offered in our contract. Sure, we would have asked for some other things. They would have probably wanted some other things. Uh, you know, it was just in the early stages of the contract negotiation. But it was an opportunity at the end of a contract like we have always done is scan the landscape. Our, we, we collectively bargain, so our contracts are up to, I don't know, collective bargain is probably a bad phrase. But, you know, our contracts are up at the same time. So I guess by definition, that's what we're doing. Um, so our contracts are always up at the same time. And one thing we do when our contracts are coming up is we scan the landscape. And, you know, there are times we've been fortunate that we've had offers. There have been other times where there are no offers. And, you know, it's real easy to scan the landscape at that point. This was a time where one of the things we looked at was doing our own thing. And the more we kind of, you know, talked it out among ourselves and spoke with our attorneys, um, the more we realized, hey, this is viable. And, you know, you see kind of where the world is going. You've had tremendous success on a digital platform. Um, You know, what you've done you and your whole group have done with the videos of the podcast and, you know, the live elements and things like that show that a digital platform is viable. And many people are doing what you are doing now. And you look nationwide at, you know, Clay Travis is a really good friend of ours. He's been on our show for years and uh, Clay's a personal friend. And you look at what he's done. Uh, you look at what Dan Lebitard did leaving, you know, a giant like ESPN to do his own thing. And, Subsequently, finds a, signs a $50 million advertising arrangement with uh, DraftKings. You look at um, Pat McAfee, who leaves ESPN, and he does his own thing digitally and what it's led to. And we started looking at those on a national level, guys like you on a 
regional level and like yeah, the barstool like people done. i mean what what barstool's doing whether you love oh. barstool or hate <laughs> barstool or anywhere in between yeah. and i'll be honest i used to not like barstool and i've gotten where now i watch them and i i find them find them to be fascinating because of what all the different things they yeah. create but but you're exactly right they created a uh, a network that now is worth I would assume oh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting to understand your market, a leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We're also brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E-S-P-A-R-C dot com with uh, Northeast Spark. You know, you're getting the best internet around here in the Lafayette County area. I've got it in my home. We've got it in the Clark Ford studio. You get the 100 Mbps or you get the Blaze, the one gig that does power the Clark Ford studio. We've had no issues. Spark here in Oxford. Phone service available as well. Parental controls, network security, and more. It's going in more neighborhoods every single day, every single week. So call, find out if it's there for you. If so, you're going to get down Download speeds much faster than you're used to if you're not using Spark. Again, 662-238-3159. Podcast also brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy. Remember, if you're a state or a school employee who uh, has an insurance provider who is using CBS Caremark, that is a pharmacy benefit manager, don't be confused with CBS Pharmacy. Not the same thing. I know the logo looks the same, but if you're using a uh, CVS Caremark uh, provider, you do not have to change anything. You're still good with Tyson Drugs. You're still good with GNM. So really just encouraging you to uh, you know use a local independent pharmacy like GNM, like T- Tyson Drugs. You're going to receive exceptional services, competitive prices, and you support local business in the process as well. So find out more about that as well as how they deliver locally in the area. 662-236-222. And with uh, the summer still going on, check out Visit Oxford, visitoxford.com slash events to see all the different events going on every day, every week here locally. If you're in town or you're a local that's here all the time, the Good Night Market is at the Old Armory Pavilion. That's Friday, July 2nd, so take advantage of that. As well as uh, the annual fireworks show, July 4th. Those are going to be over Oxford High School, so you can park anywhere kind of along that cyst, that Oxford High area. Four fireworks on Sunday, July 4th, and just uh, something to put in your calendar moving forward. July 17th, end of all music, record store day there again, Saturday, July 17th. Visit OxfordMS.com slash events. So, uh, and, and it's not public. I've heard what Clay sold out kick for to Fox, and I, I would say it's in that neighborhood as well, Neil. So, I've heard the number, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible, especially, especially when you were there for the launch. Like, I remember us being with Clay in Birmingham, and, him kind of telling us what he was about to do and me thinking, huh, that's, that's okay, Clay, great idea. Yeah, all right, whatever. Uh, don't give up that radio job, Clay. Make sure you still got that. And now he's doing this. So I kind of feel silly with that reaction. I wish I'd say, Clay, this is a great idea. How about 20% of the company? <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, He's made so much money. I mean, I people I people are like, I don't, I don't understand Clay Travis. I'm like, what, what don't you understand? And, and, uh-huh. and it's, well, I just don't, I don't know how he can have all those opinions. And he's, he's, he's a, he's a grifter. I'm like, no, he's not a grifter. He's a business person. He, Figure, yeah. He figured out uh, a market, and then yeah. and then he's very talented, and he surrounded himself with talented people, and and he grew, and he invested 
over and over in himself. And quite frankly, it's why I admire you guys so much. I mean, it, it takes it takes a set to do well kind of what you're doing, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and and you know, we looked at all those things and we said, why could we not do that ourselves? And um you know, it was hard to leave radio, man. I mean, it's, you know, this, yes. because you, you and I very early in my career did a lot of work together and, um, I've been doing this a long time and I never really thought I would do anything else. And, and, you know, it's not as if I'm leaving, you know, the, the media world. It's not like I'm going to be an investment banker or something like that. I'm certainly not that skill set, and I've proven as hard as I might try it on the skill set to be a professional golfer. So, I mean, I, I just looked at it and I was, we all looked at it and we're like, if we're going to do it now is the time. This is, you know, the, the digital space is red hot right now. Why not jump into it now? And um, you kind of get a, already a roadmap, like I said, from all those, yourself and all those people I mentioned. So we decided to pull the trigger and the reception has been phenomenal. Um, we had the opportunity and, and this is very rare in our business. And you, Neil, have learned this as much as anyone. It is very rare that you walk away peacefully from an employer in our business. <laughs> you know this well, Neil. And, uh, I didn't even get to walk away. Uh, <laughs> they waited till I was at home to call me. I never even had an exit interview. I never got a chance to say goodbye. Nothing. It was. Yeah. It was. And, and and I'll say this. You know, we um. We were offered by Cumulus to do uh, some goodbye shows, and just honestly, it was no hard feelings. I just don't know that that's great radio, you know, like four hours or five days or whatever of calls that are telling you you're glad you're gone, telling you you're sad you're gone, telling the station they're idiots for making this move, telling the station they're genius for making this move. I just don't know that that's good radio. So we thank them profusely for the opportunity to do that, but said, you know, we're glad to be done now. And uh, we were finished. And over the last week, uh, we've been doing uh, we've been we've been doing our new business. And in a sense, the week has flown by, and in a sense, it's lasted forever. But it has been invigorating. I've never done anything like this. And one thing, I, my wife got a kick out of this because I hate meetings. Like I will do anything to get out of a meeting. You just <laughs> sit there, and people talk, and people talk to hear themselves talk. We've done nothing hardly but meet this week, and it has been so fun. I've loved every minute of it, just because. I'm, we are literally laying the bricks on the foundation of what we hope will be this incredible business that lasts us the rest of our careers. You know, it's funny you say that about, I have lots of thoughts from what you just said. It's funny you say that about the goodbye thing. So when I told the, the Mobile Register that I was leaving, you know, people are always like, you got run out of Alabama, which is not true. I got fired from WNSP, mm-hmm. but I still had my gig at, at the Mobile Register. And if anything... The Mobile Register was kind of like, you know, you probably could play this into being an even bigger columnist, you know. And I was like, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of felt like it was time. And I remember when I told them, they were like, well, we want, you know, let's do a farewell lunch and all that stuff. And, and then why don't you write a farewell column? And I said, number one, we've never gone to lunch. Why are we going to lunch now? <laughs> <laughs> and number two... I'm not dying. Yeah, and that's the same way we feel. We're not going goodbye. And I, we are leaving peacefully, you know, amicably parting from a station we've been together for years, but we're not we're not going away. <laughs> so my last column at the Mobile Register was uh, the it was the weekend of the uh, 
my last assignment was the SEC basketball tournament where the tornado went through Atlanta, and they ended up having to yeah. play the tournament at Georgia Tech. So my last weekend was about Georgia being the unlikely SEC tournament wow. winner, and that was it. I, I filed it, and I was like, that's it. I got in the car yeah, well, and drove to Birmingham, spent the night, got up the next day, and drove to, to Oxford. But that was the end, you know, and you just kind of move on to a new chapter for you guys. Well, I, I yeah, real quick, I will say this, though, because you won't, but I will. Uh, for those that don't know, at that time, uh, and this sounds like I'm insulting them, but I'm not. I mean, there were three prominent names. I don't know how you, I know how you would rank them. You would put yourself third. I don't know that I would. But in the in the writing game in the state of Alabama at the time, you had Paul Feinbaum, who was still at the Post Herald, if I'm not mistaken. When you finished, was he was Paul still at the Post Herald, or did he? No, he was he was in Mo, he was writing in Mobile, and then he still had his yeah. show, and you know his yeah. his show and, was and, his and show was the Kevin, big thing. Yeah, yeah, he had Kevin Skarbinski of the Birmingham News. And you, I mean, y'all, the three of you in sports writing were the three most prominent names in the state. And as far as attention and, you know, notoriety and guys that could legitimately write something and get a response. So you leaving was a big deal. Uh, you didn't make it one, but it was. It's funny you say that because I never, I never once, it's God's honest truth. I never once thought of it as a big deal. And, and so when Paul called me one day and was like, I want you to come on the air and talk about it. Yeah. And I was like, why? You know, and and I didn't do it. And and subsequently, Paul kind of took some shots at me. And if I'm perfectly honest, not to get in my feels, but it kind of hurt my feelings. And I've never done his show since. Huh. Um, yeah, it kind of hurt my feelings. If I, it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah I've, no, I've never done his show. And I've had people at Ole Miss ask me in the past. They've stopped now because I think they realized the ship has sailed. But. Um, you know, they would, Hey, we'd love for you to kind of be the old miss voice on his show. And I'm like, I don't want to do a show. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not personal anymore. It's just, it's a matter of principle. And I was like, if I'm going to do a show in Birmingham, I'd rather do, you know, Jim and Ryan show. Cause I know those guys and I like those guys and they're friends and, and, and then, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's just interesting how stuff happens, but for you guys, yeah. and I didn't ever think about when I left that. I, I, my mind was chaotic. You guys, it's a totally different thing. You're completely betting on yourselves. And I think, and I've told you this, I think you're going to kill it. I think, I think the sky's the absolute limit for you guys. And, and we, we, the one thing you'll miss about radio, you, you'll be surprised. You'll miss the clock because the, yeah. the clock is comforting in radio. You know, you it, in some ways it's restricting, and in a lot of ways it's restricting. It, in, matter of fact, in most ways it's restricting. But the clock has a certain comfort to it. You know, you know, I don't know what y'all's clock was where you were, but I remember mine was. We came on at at oh four, and you'd go till twenty one, and then you had a break, and then you went twenty five to thirty seven, and that was a hard break, and you'd come back at forty one, and you had until forty seven forty eight, and that was. A uh, soft break, and then you'd come back at fifty-two, and you had until like fifty-seven, and that was an absolute hard break. And you just got into those routines, and so you could, you could do it. And when you, when I got into podcasting, there was no, there was no limitation on me. There was no, there was no set of, of restrictions or a, a, a guideline that you worked on. And so you, you just kind of, it, it felt, um. It felt like you were sort of driving without a seatbelt, if you will. You you just kind of felt completely out of control for a little while. You, you guys, yeah. you guys will deal with that, but you'll also now have this kind of a newfound freedom that there are no limits. Well, and and we're still going to do a four hour daily show, um, 
and our plan is to try to follow some sort of clock, but that is the beauty of having the freedom um, of doing what we think is best. And, you know, you better believe if Nick Saban can only come on our show 30 minutes after it was scheduled to end, we're going to fill that 30 minutes and then talk to Nick Saban. So, of course. you know, I mean, there, there is the freedom of doing that and doing it how we want it done. And, and again, I, I've say this all the time when I've talked about it, and I think people are tired of hearing me say it, but it needs to be said. We didn't have a ton of constraints uh, with WJOX. There was what you were talking about, the clock. They wanted us to hit those breaks, and that's fine. We were fine with that. But they never they never came to us and said, oh, no, you cannot do that, or we need you to do more of this. They let us do our job, and I am so appreciative of that. And that freedom is one reason we were able to to build the name that, that we've been able to build. And, you know, so I am very, very thankful for that. But, uh, yeah, it is fun to have any sort of even imagined corporate restraints lifted whether they were there or not just the fact that you know one day they might be there and now they won't be um it, it is incredibly freeing and I, I very much look forward to being able to be a decision maker who can sit in a room and say we want to do this let's go do it not we want to do this you know let's see if we can get approval to do it and again by and large almost 99 percent of the time that answer was yes for us but now we don't even have to ask the question, Neil. The answer is yes, if we want it to be. It just presents so many growth opportunities for you guys. Because I've told you this before. I just think you guys are immensely talented. There's a, there's a great chemistry. You're in a market that is so passionate about uh, sports, college football, but not just college football, kind of everything. It's like it's the running joke about the Birmingham area, right, is that it doesn't have to even be Alabama or Auburn or whatever. It can, just, it can be Bowling Green versus Buffalo on Tuesday night, and you know Birmingham's a top-five market. So they, 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 love, they love sports there, especially college sports, and you guys have kind of built a, a brand around it, and now you get, to, you get to experiment with your brand a little bit. You get to, you get to play with it some, and – that's the fun part. It took me a long time to get to this place where it was like, okay, I'm not afraid to fail. I'll try something new, and yeah. if it's a complete disaster, okay, I'll just abandon it and go to the next thing. And if I try something new and it kind of works and it expands my horizons, well, then I do that. And I think that's what you've seen with like that's what you've seen with Barstool. It's what you saw with Outkick. It's and I'm, I'm not believe me. I'm not comparing myself to those guys. No, not nowhere close. I'm, I'm not in their hemisphere of success. Not many are. No, exactly. But that's they've done it by experimenting and by not being afraid to to fail. I mean, Portnoy, the first time I saw a pizza review, I was like, what the hell is he doing? And now, I mean, he's mainstream. He's mainstream with yeah. pe- young people watch the pizza reviews. So, you know, there's no way he could ever go review every pizza that is recommended to him to go review. And it's it's just kind of remarkable. Really. I mean, yeah, it really is. I mean, had I told you, I, I mean, I, I mentioned Clay Travis. I've known Clay for you know, 15 years now, if you had told me 13 years ago, Hey, one day when Rush Limbaugh retires or dies, Clay is going to take that spot. I mean, do you know how, do you know how laughable that sounded? <laughs> but, I mean, that's what's happening. You just never know. I mean, it's, it's when you find the niche and the niche works, you know, you ride the wave and you're right. This is the, this, one of the main reasons we're choosing to do this is we know our city. We know Birmingham loves college football. And Birmingham will consume college football. And you said sports, you're right, you know, any way they can. And we're only asking them to download an app or or watch a a YouTube live or or listen to a video, uh, an audio stream or download a podcast. You know, we're we're giving them a million different ways they can do it. 
What's your timetable? What are you? What, what's the feeling? We we have not announced. Um, well, when does it? Uh, gosh, this is running. <laughs> this is running the week leading up to July fourth. I don't probably probably early in the week. Um, let me just, let me answer it this way. <laughs> right now, check my social media, and there 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 may or may not there may or may not be an announcement. I, I'll, I'll say this before football season. Um, but we'll do some things over the next couple of weeks, um, some smaller things. But our big launch where we're, we're up and running, doing everything we plan to do will be before football. We're not idiots. Football is hugely important around here. And we will start all of that before football season. That's probably the safest way for me to say it before toe meets leather will be going. Yeah, that's 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 more than fair. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that you're getting it ready for football season. I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that's a yeah. secret to anyone. There's probably no attorney out there that would go, "Shh, don't say that." Uh, <laughs> so let's let's talk a little football. I'm I'm I know you you get excited about football. I get I'm I'm more excited about this season than I have been any season in a long time, and I'm not exactly sure why. There's a lot of storylines. I think I'm super excited because. Not to get back on the COVID thing at all, but I'd kind of quit watching the NBA for a little while. And and it wasn't because of the politics or any of that. It was the arenas were empty. Yes. And it didn't sound like basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And it yep. didn't look like basketball. And unless it was like Luca. Like if Luka Doncic was playing, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch Luka for a few minutes because I like to watch Luka. And and if it were Giannis Antetokounmpo, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch him for a little while and see if he's having one of his games. But then I'd catch myself flipping to the Food Network or looking at something on Netflix. And now that the crowds are back, I'm kind of watching again. I'm sort of interested again. It's more fun for me again. And I didn't really have that problem with college football. I still watched a lot of college football. There was a, a game that I remember depressing me, though. It was Penn State and maybe Maryland, maybe Iowa. I don't know, but it was at Penn State, and it was empty. And that really depressed me. And there was a game, Notre Dame was at Boston College, I think, and it was empty, and that depressed me. And I remember thinking this empty stadium thing is getting to you. There was a couple of NFL games. One was in yeah. Buffalo. One was in Chicago. One was in Buffalo. The stadiums were, were so empty that they felt weird, and I didn't like it, and I turned the games off because I could feel myself. I've been open about this. I battled depression. I felt the depression kind of coming back over that. That depressed me. And I've noticed that as we've gotten back into fans in stadiums, that I find that to be very invigorating, and the – I got an email, uh, I guess I'm taping this on a Friday. I got an email on Thursday because uh, my daughter Campbell goes to Arkansas, and so I bought tickets through Arkansas last season for her and her friends to go to the Ole Miss at Arkansas game because she didn't win the student lottery to get the socially distanced tickets, and so I bought her some tickets. Right. And um, so now, and I don't blame Arkansas for this, they hit me up all the time for more tickets and no i have mm-hmm. not bought any more tickets i'm not a booster stop but they sent out a thing and it was like hey listen this texas game on september the 11th the only tickets left s- single tickets are up in the top of the stadium for 248 dollars a piece wow just fyi 
if you buy that ticket as a season ticket, it's only two more dollars. What a deal. And so I was like, wow. But then what I caught myself was, I won't be at that game. In fact, I'll be covering an Ole Miss game at the same hour. But I thought about my girls, and I was like, they'll get to go to this Arkansas-Texas game on September the 11th. And forget who's good and bad for just a minute. We'll get to all that in a second. They get to go to this game. And that stadium gets a you know, huge rivalry. Lots of Texas kids go to Arkansas, et cetera. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild there, right? Texas at Arkansas, September the eleventh at six o'clock at night. I mean, the kids are gonna be partying all day. Go to the game that night. It's gonna be wild. And I thought, how fun is that gonna be for yeah. for my kids, for the Arkansas students, for the fans, for whatnot? That'll be a really cool game on TV. Even you know, Arkansas they'll beat Rice. They'll be one and zero. It'll be fun. And I thought it's going to be like that kind of all over the country, especially early in the season. I'm excited for the Ole Miss people. I think that exact same day, in fact, yeah, September the 11th will be the first day that Ole Miss people in a year and a half can go to the Grove and tailgate and all that stuff as they get ready for Ole Miss playing, I don't know, Austin P or somebody. And, and, and that's going to be, you know, really cool. And in some ways, Lane Kiffin's first game in Oxford, if you, you know, kind of think about it. And so I'm excited about that part of it. I think that's what's got me more geeked up about football, even than any of the football storylines. It's just I'm happy for the fans. They're going to get get it back. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan is the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Also brought to you by the Oxford Park Commission. If you want to play some adult kickball, you can do it, but you got to, the deadline to register is on July the 4th. Grab some friends, join for an adult kickball league at M Trade Park this summer. The cost to play is $125 per team, no limit to roster size. The season will run from July the 7th through August the 4th. The deadline to register, like I said, is July 4th. Go to OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. We're brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson, Mississippi. Pinpoint uh, services the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates, and they utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for the clients. Pinpoint's core services include tenant representation, site selection, acquisition, and disposition of income-producing assets, development, and occupancy for landlords, as well, uh, Pinpoint takes pride in its attention to detail, professionalism, and uh, hard work. For all your commercial real estate needs, please give Sam and BB a call at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best-fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom-fit, hand-tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. Also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry in Oxford. Lamons is at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard. They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years, from engagement rings to wedding rings to fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. You can visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-2342-777. And we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. It's the name you can trust. With more than 50 years of professional HVAC experience in Oxford, Tupelo, and the surrounding area, 662-801-1777. 
for all of your heating and cooling needs. Again, Comer Heating and Air, 662-801-1777. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In uh, Ridgeland, uh, the College Corner is right next door to uh, Fleet Feet. And in Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, that's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. So whether you're tailgating in Oxford or home gating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. And we're brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity and decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie-cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N Trust.com. Yeah, and I'm with you on, on the NBA that you mentioned earlier. For instance, I got sucked into that Suns Clippers uh, ending the other night, the alley oop ending, and the crowd. And and I'm with you. I realized it's just not the same without the crowd. I, I I'm just I can't put my finger on it. It's almost Neil. Here's what it is. So my wife loves um, the TV show on NBC. This is us, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you and Laura watch that, um, but my wife loves that show. So it's something she and I watch together, Tuesday nights on NBC. And they filmed it. And when they filmed it, they made a this huge effort of people wearing masks and talked about getting the vaccine and socially dis- and continued to reference COVID. And I, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't think they're doing this to be safe. I think they're doing this because they feel pressure to do it. Like I don't, I don't think they've got masks on because they're safe on set. I don't think they'd be on set if they were safe, you know, weren't safe with that. I think they're doing this. And I, and I told my wife, I was like, I come to this show, A, because you love it. If, if it weren't for you, I probably would not watch this. But B, I'm trying to escape the reality that was going on around us, right? I'm looking for that escape. And this show is just reminding me of all that. She, she agreed. And that was kind of what it became with sports at times, like, the sports were my escape from all the crap that was going on in the world with COVID or anything else. And all of a sudden the empty stadium only reminded me more of it. So I'm with you. I mean, that was, that was really, really difficult. I managed to fight through college football in the NFL just because I had to have my football, but it did hurt me with college basketball and the NBA and things like that. And even early major league baseball or major league baseball last summer when it was, you know, empty stands. Um, and I'm like you, I've allowed myself to envision these full stands because it, 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 there is no better television event, live TV event than a juiced up college football stadium on a Saturday night. And it doesn't have to be SEC. It can be anywhere. But that juiced up Saturday college football stadium is the best live television product there is to me. Yeah. I mean, like, and, you know, a game in Baton we, Rouge where we, you hear the, you hear the bands and all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah. kind of, you're like, yeah, this is, it's fall. And you, you kind of get a little jolt go through your body a little bit. And then, you know, and, and we didn't, I don't know that we really got that last year. We did not. I mean, no, we didn't. I remember being like so thankful they played and we did this thing with, we streamed all day and thank God you agreed to be a part of it. And we would do that all day long. And, 
And so at the end of the day, it was kind of tiring. But there were some days that I thought, I don't know, like it was, it was fine. It was a football game, and it was good. And I know it was better than nothing, but it wasn't the same. And yeah. it, it was different, and we benefited from it. But I I did feel bad for fans. I, I legitimately did. And I'm, I'm excited for people that they get they get it back. I am too. You know, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this because one of the games I'm most looking forward to in week one it's just a matchup you don't see a lot, and there's a lot of intrigue around both these teams. Is LSU UCLA, and um, I, I'm just curious how many LSU fans will make that road trip because it is not every day you get to see your team play in the Rose Bowl, even if it's not the actual Rose Bowl game. It is a beautiful area of the country. It's a gorgeous stadium that that I think every sports fan you know would like to attend. So I think there'll be a lot of LSU fans. But then I started thinking, UCLA's games always look like it's a COVID game. I mean, <laughs> stands are always half full. But I'm curious if I actually think there's a chance there's more LSU fans in that stadium than UCLA fans. I would think they'll really travel. We'll, we'll, yeah. start, we'll, we'll start there. There's some compelling storylines in the SEC. And I'm not sure LSU is the most compelling one. But they're way up there because their, their range of outcomes is pretty wide. Like, you know, we talked about Arkansas a minute ago. I mean, Arkansas's floor is probably four and eight, five and seven, and their ceiling, absolute ceiling is probably seven and five, probably more like six and six. So you sort of know what you're going to get with them. With LSU, I don't know, man. I mean, if you told me they were second in the West and a real contender, I, I would buy it. And if you told me that they imploded, I would buy it. Yeah, I mean, you could convince me they beat UCLA by 21 or lose to them by 14 right now. I mean, I, I would I would say either one of them is on the table. I think, obviously, their defense is going to get better. Um, you cannot be as bad with all those players as they were on defense at times last year. Um, and, and I just, you know, the, the quarterback battle is interesting, obviously. Um, T.J. Finley transferred to, uh, to Auburn, so it's down to Johnson and Miles Brennan. I don't know about you. Miles Brennan had a really slow start against Mississippi State. He had that you know series on the goal line where they couldn't get the ball in the end zone against Missouri at the end. But I thought Miles Brennan was far from their biggest issue last year. I thought he played pretty well actually once he got his legs under him. Um, Johnson finished the season obviously very well for them. So you know I think the intrigue starts there. Is is where do you go at quarterback? And I don't know your feel on it, Neil. I feel like it'll be Johnson. But I, I don't. That's what I hear. I, I, I hear it's Johnson, and if I'm yeah. Brennan, I'm I'm a little frustrated by that. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm a little surprised that Miles is still there. I, I I thought he might take advantage of the transfer portal and 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 jump. Yeah, and, and you know, I know he's obviously that that family has got a great history in that part of the country. So I, I don't know how much that plays into it. I don't know how good a job because you know, on a broader discussion with. The way the transfer rules are working now, this is what coaches are going to have to do: is convince these guys to stay in it. You know, to stay in the battle. You have not lost the starting job; you could still be the starter. And I'm sure that's what Ed Orgeron is doing. It's convincing Miles Brennan that he can be the starter still. And and you know, with that future transfer deadline in May one, it is obviously July one this year. But in May one, I mean, that's what coaches are going to have to get really good at doing. How do you anticipate Brian Harson doing at Auburn, and what sort of a start do you anticipate from him? They're another one of those teams that, look, it's Auburn, and, and it's a winning program and all of that stuff, but their schedule's kind of weird, and they have some games on that schedule that I think Auburn fans probably look at and go, W, 
and you talk to other people and you're like, I don't know. Like I give you a couple of examples. I don't I don't think I don't think Auburn at home against Ole Miss is an automatic W for the Tigers. I don't think their no. I don't think their game in Arkansas is an automatic W. It wasn't this past season. So, you know, you look at, at, at those games where there's a lot of range and that kind of thing. And what what do you anticipate? I think seven and five would be a really good year. I Ooh. think he's in he's inheriting a quarterback situation that's not great. Now Brian Harson is known for coaching quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks, but he's got a quarterback that probably did not get the best coaching. I don't think I need to say probably there. He didn't get the best coaching and has fallen into some really, really bad habits. And Brian Harson's got to break those habits. And you have got zero proven receivers. So Bo Nix has got to break those habits trying to develop receivers. You've got maybe the best running back in the Southeastern Conference, but a little bit of a question mark at the line he's running behind. You've got a defense that you took some steps backwards last year under Kevin Steele. Um, and and you got to try to try to turn that around. Now, on the defensive side, almost universally, he's being praised for the hire of Derek Mason. I think, you know, Mason in his time at Stanford, the time at Vanderbilt, you, I think you have to consider it's Vanderbilt. At it, it, Stanford, they had good defenses under him. So, you, you know, it's just hard to know what to expect. But I think it's your standard first year as a coach. I think seven and five would be a really good year for them with that schedule. Um, you, you know, you, you've got your SEC schedule. You had a, had a road trip at, at Penn State, a night game, primetime night game in Happy Valley. Um, I, you know, it's, Auburn generally plays a tough schedule, and I think that's another one. Boy, 7-5, and five and they'll be – they'll already be kind of antsy there. I Maybe not. Maybe that's what they expect. I, I kind of think so. I mean, I think – you know, football fans are not realistic by nature, but I think Auburn fans look at it and say, I can't hold Brian Harson guilty for Gus Malzahn's sins. And I can't have it both ways. I can't get tired of Gus doing the same stuff over and over again and not recruiting well. And also blame Brian Harson for losing five games with that set of players. I, I just, I think a realistic fan has to look at that and say, I mean, I think realistically, if you if you went to Auburn fans and said, great drill roster that Brian Harson's has taken over, I think most fans would give it a C. And I think that's fair. I think it's a, yeah, C, it's a C roster. In some uh, ways, Auburn fans were, were, were spared what, what could have been, a, you know, they, they could have, they should have lost to Arkansas. Absolutely. Probably should have, Ole Miss. should have lost to Ole Miss, too, because yep. the, they, they missed the call. And that, that would have yep. swung that game. And if those two losses happen, it's a completely different feel to the the way that that season is described i'm not sure malzahn would have survived it frankly i'm, I'm not sure he would have gotten to the end no I, I don't disagree with you there was so much pressure mounting on him and it's just I, I think auburn fans you've got to step back and look at it and say we held gus malzahn responsible for the program getting in this shape this is still his fault uh, you know i mean you got to move past him at some point but I just don't. I mean, you look at that schedule, Neil. Uh, if you want to argue for eight and four, find me the eight wins that you feel really, really good about. I mean, that he's going to spring some upsets to get it to eight and four. It's Alabama's world. Everybody just lives in it. Uh, they were dominant a year ago. Lose a lot off that team, but that hasn't seemed to matter the last several years. Just how talented is this Alabama team? And 
is is there even a floor? If I tell you the over under for regular season wins is eleven and a half, do you go over or under? Well, you know, historically you would bet the under there because Saban historically does not go undefeated in the regular season, uh, though he did it last year in dominant fashion. Um, everybody loves Bryce Young at quarterback. We, we just, I think he had 22 pass attempts last year. So we just didn't see a ton of him. But boy, everybody you talk to says the kid has it, that he is, he is that good, that, you know, Alabama will not miss a beat going from Mac Jones to Bryce Young. I'll tell you where I think Alabama will be the most improved is defensively, Neil. I think they'll be back to a Nick Saban light defense. Um, especially at linebacker. They are incredibly good at linebacker. With Allen and Brown on the on the uh, edges and and your middle linebackers of Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa that transferred from Tennessee, um, I think they've probably got the best linebacker core in the entire country. And, um, I mean, that's scary. When you can Nick Saban those types of linebackers, they do have some holes to fill on that defense. Obviously, Christian Barmore goes to the NFL. Patrick Sertan goes to the NFL. But uh, I, I think it'll be an exceptionally talented defense for Alabama. Back to, um, listen, I mean, you, you and I talked about this, and I don't think it's any secret to the people that listen to this podcast. Alabama fans were ready to fire Pete Golding after that Ole Miss game last year. They were done. Don't bring it back. I can't. Saban has a blind spot for Pete Golding. We heard it all after that Ole Miss game last year. I mean, Matt Corral and the Rebs dinged Alabama to historic proportions. And Alabama football has got a long crowd history. When you can, when you can have a history-making day against Alabama football, you have done something. And what Matt Corral did was put Pete Golding in the firing line. But that defense progressively got better. And I think talent-wise, they will be phenomenal in defense this year. That game, to me, at the time, we were like, oh, wow, Alabama's defense. But by the end of the season, I think it was, no, Ole Miss's offense is indeed that good. Because they kind of did that to everybody with the exception of Corral had the horrible game in Fayetteville and he had a a bad half against – against LSU, and, and they were weird against Auburn. The play calling was kind of suspect, and, and the, the, yet they still should have won that game. But what they did to Alabama, they kind of did to everybody over the course of the season. And, and, and you're right, Alabama's defense got better, and by the end of the season, their defense was pretty good. Well, so you had to you say know, Golden yeah, did a pretty he, good job. Yeah, you know what was interesting is, and you're right in hindsight, because the next week, like you said, after – Corral tore up Alabama. That was when he went to Arkansas. What, he throw six picks in that game? Yeah, six interceptions and should have been seven, yeah. maybe even eight. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, Barry Odom did that to a lot of teams last year with Arkansas. And in fact, he did it to Alabama a little bit early. He just couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't keep it up. But Arkansas threw some, some defensive looks at some teams last year. They didn't handle real well. Um, in fact, I don't, it seems like this was back-to-back games They because they got Mississippi State the week after the LSU game, and State looked like, you know, a, a freaking, uh, you know, I don't even know, I mean, unstoppable against against LSU. And then they come to Starkville the next week and play Arkansas, and Odom throws them that look, and they had no clue what to do. They looked lost. Their totally yeah. different. Yeah. So, you know, in hindsight, that made a little bit more sense as you look back on it. But in the moment, Alabama fans were done with Pete Golding. It was time for the funeral. 
And you're right. He, he, he straightened at, that out for the most part. There were still some lapses. I mean, the Florida game in the SEC championship was a lapse. But, look, that was still a really good Alabama team. I think talent-wise, they will be so much better defensively this year. What do you think about Ole Miss? It's year two with Lane Kiffin. Everybody's talking about he's in great shape. I saw him the other day at the Pavilion. He clearly had lost a lot of weight. He joked about how it was hard to lose weight in Oxford, and maybe it was a good thing that he got out to California for a little while. But all of those things, I mean, who, who really, at the end of the day, who really cares? Although Lane, it's everything with Lane Kiffin is a story for everybody. People are just obsessed right. with Lane Kiffin, the, the, the personality, uh, which is funny because his personality in person and his personality on Twitter are two, two, two such, totally different, yeah. two totally different things. But Matt Corral's back. It's his first time in his college career that he's going to have the same head coach and offensive coordinator combination. Um, yeah, Elijah Moore's gone, but Elijah Moore was gone the last two games of last season, and they still lit people up. They still were able to to make it work. There's a lot of weapons offensively, and I think defensively they're going to be better, but from your perspective, a state over, knowing the league the way that you do, what do you kind of expect from Ole Miss? So in, in one of our last shows, actually on the radio, we got into an interesting discussion. Lance was on vacation, so it was Dunaway and myself, about Ole Miss. And it was it was a as we so often do in our show, it was a discussion about something else that ended up, this was the primary discussion. So Jim said, and I'll be curious to your thoughts on this, Jim said, well, I asked the question, if you went to an Ole Miss fan and said, what percentage odds do you think you have of making the college football playoff? So we were talking about the extended, expanded playoff and who does it benefit more? Okay. A group of, a group of five team or a power five team. And, uh, my argument's a Power 5 team because you'll have multiple teams for Power 5 conferences. So Absolutely. I asked the question, I was like, in a four-team playoff, Neil, what percentage of Ole Miss fans that think you got a good shot at the playoffs? Oh, this year? Uh, yes. 2% maybe? My argument was no more than 5. Yeah. So you and I are right. But if it were a 12-team playoff, what do you think that number would go to? Oh, uh Oh, see, now I think you can start. I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll make the rational, rationalizing argument. Yeah. Okay. Let's pretend we got a 12-team playoff. All right, here I go. I think they're going to go 4-0 in the non-league, uh-huh. and they're going to get a couple of nice wins. I think Louisville's going to be a nice win. I think Liberty's going to be a nice win. Yep, yep. Um, they, I don't have their schedule here in front of me. You might have to help me in the well, event that you I haven't mean, memorized. I know I, they're West games. They're gonna, okay, I, I so I, they're, they're going to Alabama. I yeah. think every other West game is a – Eminently winnable game for Ole Miss. Okay, so yeah, I agree with you. They're going to lose to Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I think they're going to beat uh-huh. Arkansas at home. Uh-huh. Um, let's give them a win uh, over LSU at home, and let's give them a win in the uh, Egg Bowl at Mississippi State. None of those things are completely out of the realm of possibility. Not at all. Not there at are all. two East games. They get Vanderbilt at home, I believe, and at Tennessee, and I think those are both wins. Yeah, I mean – so we've got them now with the one loss, and let's say let's let's say they they lose to uh, lose to A and M, but it's close. So ten and two. Yeah, I mean that's not outside the realm of possibility at all. No, I mean I don't that, think yeah. they're going to get to ten and two. But if someone came down and the football gods came down and said, "Hey, Neil, Ole Miss goes ten and two, I'm yeah. not going. Oh my God, you're kidding." You, because could, look at last year. I mean, yeah. look, they, they, they played with Florida. They, 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 they were six minutes to go in the game, and they were tied with Alabama. I mean, at some point, you got to admit that, I mean, not you, Ryan Brown, but just in general, you got to look at that and go, they were in that game. 
Um, they should have beaten they 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 should have beaten LSU. Uh, who else did they lose? They should they did beat Auburn. It got basically taken from them. Um, and and they lost to Arkansas because they beat themselves that day. And credit to Barry Odom and Arkansas, but Ole Miss was awful that day. So if you told me ten and two, I'm not not stunned. No, and no. ten and two in a playoff, you're, you're that, in the discussion. You're Very in, much in the you're discussion. in the bubble for that yep. last couple of spots. I, the Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits simply not available to other travelers. John traveled the globe for more than 37 years before getting into the travel business. He knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Just get in touch with John. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget. He'll give you options. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. Alpha Specialties is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it at Alpha. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailer being built today. They also have Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to shows and markets, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. Uh, for podcast listeners, they've got spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. They also do all types of truck accessories, and they can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. We're also brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. They're stylist hand-select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife. That's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Duckhead, Halsey, True Grit, and more. You can visit them at 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or at therogue.com. And we're brought to you by Joey Erickson at Heron Gear Chevrolet. Let Joey help you find the vehicle you're looking for at a price you can afford. Choose from a full selection of new Chevrolet vehicles or get a great deal on numerous brands of reliable pre-owned vehicles. Give Joey a call or a text on his cell, 662-571-2367. Tell him what you're looking for or stop by 1685 High Street in Jackson to test drive that new or used vehicle you've been wanting. Let him earn your business. And with any purchased vehicle, just mention the Oxford Exxon Podcast or the Soft Verbal Podcast, you get a $50 gas card. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. It's the place to go for the freshest cuts of meat in and around Oxford, whether that's beef or pork or chicken or seafood or the homemade sausages, plate lunches, whatever the case may be. Everything at LB's is absolutely spectacular. The uh, stuffed jalapenos, the stuffed mushrooms, the list just goes on and on. The bacon-wrapped asparagus, it's all 
Incredible uh, quality. You'll absolutely love it. Just go in, stop in, tell Greg Jones that you heard about LBs on the Oxford Exxon podcast or any of our MPW digital network of programs, and he'll throw a little something extra in the bag, and he'll make sure that you leave really excited and happy with everything that you've got coming your way from LB's Meat Market. So Yeah, so Jim made the argument. He's like, Ryan, I think if you made the top 20 list of teams that could win the national championship this year, Ole Miss would be on that list. And I initially said, Jim, come on. But then when I started counting 20 teams, sure enough, you get to 18 or 19, and you're right there in Ole Miss. I mean, you've got to start to determine, do I put Indiana in and leave Ole Miss out, or do I put Ole Miss in and leave Indiana out? BYU, you know, what do I do with a BYU or somebody like that? I mean... Well, I think that's kind of where Ole Miss is right now. I mean, I know it might sound crazy to some people, but do that exercise. Sit down and just go, just go conference by conference and say, okay, these are the teams I would say got they've got a shot at a national championship. It's hard to get eighteen, nineteen deep before you're talking about Ole Miss. Yeah, and you know, and if you put Lane Kiffin and that offense in a playoff setting, so it let's does. let's give Ole Miss the twelve. Yeah, and they go play the five, which would be. That's right. I don't know who that would be. Um, make it. Um, let's make it the second Big Ten team. Let's say you know they're on the road at Wisconsin. I think they could win that game. Yeah, absolutely. Now they could lose that game, but yeah. I think they could win that game. So they're probably playing it in eight feet of snow. But all yeah, right. and so then they would turn around and they'd play the four on a neutral field. Yeah, yeah, not not crazy. No, it's not insane that that no. they could win that game. Um, so and so, you know, you, you, now all of a sudden in that in that scenario, you, you're a national semifinal team. You're red hot, presumably, and yeah, you got to go play the number one ranked team in the country. You got to beat Alabama on a neutral field, and the odds are you won't, but you're in the game. It's why yeah. I asked Lane Kiffin about it. I'm like, what do you think about the 12 game playoff thing? And he said, I'm for it. And, I, I think you'd have to be. Well, and he made a great point. He said, you know, imagine the NCAA basketball tournament if. The only teams that ever made it were the four one seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, he's exactly right. I mean, think of all of the upsets that we've celebrated in college basketball. And I know the two sports are different. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. But think about those, you know, those two differences. And and at some point in a 12-team playoff, the five's going to beat the four and then turn around and beat the one. It's going to happen. Yeah. And when it does, I mean, we're all – I don't. I think it's great for the sport. I, I, I don't know about you. I guess I should have led with this because it's a much bigger story than some of the individual teams. But I love it. I, I kind of catch myself getting excited about it because it's not Alabama's fault or Clemson's fault or Ohio State's fault or whatnot, Oklahoma's fault, that they're the ones that make it every year. They have to earn their way to it, and they do. But it does get a little stale, and this will add something new, and that – that wild card weekend, if you will, when five plays 12 and six plays 11 and seven plays 10 and eight plays nine, everyone's going to be watching that. And then that quarterfinal week, one versus eight, two, everyone's locked into that. And if the games are, quote, bad, well, a lot of the bowl games are bad and we still watch them. Now they're, they are, yeah. now they're games with meaning. Yeah. I would like to see um, the first two rounds on campus. I, I don't – you know, they were talking about the quarterfinals being in a bowl, the semifinals being in a bowl, and then the national championship game being at the at the site that bids on it. And I think you're asking the fans to spend a lot of money to travel if you do it that way. 
Um, I like the idea of the first two being on campus and then, then feed the bowls from there. So, you know, but look, I'm going to watch it either way. I don't, you know, they could play it on the moon and I'm going to watch it. But, um, I love the idea. And I do think a guy like Lane Kiffin would have to be for it because it's back to Jim's question to me. I think it benefits the power five teams more because if you're a group of five team and I use the example of Cincinnati, if I'm Cincinnati this year, I play Indiana and I play Notre Dame. I really don't have a chance if I'm being realistic, but my only chance is beating both those teams. But even if I have a 12 team, if I'm Cincinnati, I probably have to beat one of the two. Oh, right? for sure. Oh, I, I, for I, I, sure. I, I got to beat Notre Dame or Indiana probably. Yeah, for sure. And win my conference, by the way, and not slip up in my conference, win my conference. Um, well, I mean, or, to, to, to use Kiffin's analogy, it, those teams become the, the mid-major that, you know what, you probably yep. ought to win your conference tournament. Yep. So, you know, I, I just there's still very little margin for error because let's be real about this. There's going to be one group of five team in a 12-team playoff. They are rarely, if ever, going to get two in. It's going to take a cataclysmic set of events for them to get two in. But they're going to get the one in. Um. But your margin for error of being that one is really, really small unless you play just some sort of incredible non-conference schedule where you can take a couple of losses and they get forgiven because they're too, you know, Oklahoma and Alabama or something like that. Um, I, I just still think it's a really narrow path for a and, – and I used the example of Coastal Carolina last year. This is why it's difficult for a group of five team. Assume Coastal Carolina went undefeated. They're probably still behind Cincinnati. And, I mean, what else can Coastal Carolina do? At least if you're Ole Miss, you play all the games you have to play to get in this thing. You win all your games, you're in. You win 11 of your games, you're in. We just did the exercise. You win 10 of your games, you're in the discussion. The, the group of five doesn't have that same – it's an easier schedule, but they don't have that same margin for error that a big team does. It's why the SEC signed off on it. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, I think Greg Sankey in the SEC said, look, we had two teams, and we were in it so much you wanted four. So we got four teams, and we're in it so much, now you want 12. We'll gladly sign up for 12, because I don't know if you've noticed the trend, but every time we expand, you want to expand because of our impact on it. So sure, you guys just tell us how many teams we need, we'll sign up for it. How's the NIL going to go over at a place like Alabama? Is it going to end up being this great advantage for them that a lot of people think it will be where every player is endorsing a car dealer somewhere? Or what's going to happen? I think you'll have a lot of players doing endorsements. Um, I've got a little inside knowledge on that. And I I think the players in Alabama, at least, and I'm sure they are everywhere, but I just talked to someone recently who – it was advising some of the players, as out per Alabama's request, advising some of the players on how this will work, and the players are super intrigued by how it how it can benefit them. I've, I've always made the argument to me that everybody says, "Oh, it's only going to benefit the big sports and not the Olympic sports." I think that is complete hogwash. And I'll use the example of Alabama softball pitcher Montana Fouts. I don't know if you paid any attention. Yeah, to yeah, past, she was she was dominant. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she was dominant until uh, until it mattered the most. But um, I maintain she could make more pitching at Alabama than she could professionally. So you're telling me it only benefits the football teams? There's a an Olympic sport, if you will, and and women's fast pitch where 
the star player on that team can make more at Alabama than she can professionally on endorsements and camps and things like that. Um, it's going to benefit the Alabama football players, but I think that's a, I think it's, it's a, it's a myth to say it only affects the top level football players and nobody else or top level basketball players and nobody else. Um, I think you are undervaluing the entrepreneurial spirit, spirit of some of these players. I always use the example of like a left tackle. Oh, it's not going to benefit the left tackle. Well, that if the left tackle started a YouTube channel where he does subscription videos, he'll make some money. The left tackle at Alabama, you're telling me some dad in Vestavia wouldn't pay money for an instructional video because he thinks his kid can go play college football and this is a good subscription service and he just happens to be a big Alabama fan and maybe the player does a personalized shout-out for his son. Uh, yeah, you'll make some money doing that. Yeah, and um, there's there's going to be that that what's going to be interesting too. We're, and I've kept you way too long. What's going to be interesting too is, especially at a program like Alabama, where Saban likes to really control it. You know, yet at the same time, I know he wants his players to be able to cash in on NIL because that's going to make recruiting even easier than it already is for him. Um, what's going to be interesting is you know. Yeah. You a a, a, pro, a show like yours or or like mine or a radio show out there or whatever, when they try to cut a deal with one of the players on that team for a weekly spot, that's not not something that as much as a year ago would have that would have been severely frowned upon. I think now the schools are yeah. going to have to at least sort of begrudgingly allow it. Yeah, you got. I mean, you got to do it. Interesting concept you've come up with there, by the way. I'll say. Um, yeah, it <laughs> you is, can't tell I've given so- this some real thought. Yes. Oh, oh, trust me. Um, so <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is, it, it, that's an interesting situation there. And you cannot say no at this point. I mean, could you imagine if word got out that Tennessee or, or LSU or Alabama were blocking their players from doing that? Yikes. But, oh, it'd be, you, know, you wouldn't be able to recruit again. Everybody says, everybody says the rich are only going to get richer. And here's the point I've made. So you're telling me this is going to make Alabama richer. Okay. How? Well, Alabama's going to get all the five stars they want. They do that now. Yeah, I they, mean, yeah, they get who they want today. Sure. Yeah, but um, so they're going to get. They can only sign twenty five, right? And so, so the benefit of this is Alabama's going to be number one in recruiting. They already are. I, I just don't see. Is Ohio State? Are they going to recruit that much better because they can do this? Ohio State recruits through the roof right now. So does LSU. I, I just don't think everybody thinks it's going to change all this. I really don't think it is going to change the recruiting game. I mean, Alabama can only sign 25 guys. And guess what? A big portion of them are going to be five stars every year, whether they're, they have NIL or not. I, I, it's, I just it, don't think it's going to change that much. It's where I think Ole Miss has a chance to benefit from exactly. the whole Kiffin That's thing, right? Kiffin yeah. has this, Kiffin has this tremendous tr- Twitter following and stuff. And people love to, either love or to hate or to be laugh to laugh with or laugh at Kiffin, but he has this huge following and he has all the bar stool stuff and all that. I mean, he retweets one of his players doing something. I mean, it's going to get more attention. I, I, no doubt. It, it is. There's it, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a real area. And I've, you can tell I've like tried to figure out how to articulate this and how to write it without sounding like a fanboy Cause I don't want to sound like that, but I do think it's a, with, he brings, you know, outside of the handful of, of just pure blue blood programs, 
Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and I guess Oklahoma and maybe I might stop there. Um, he brings an opportunity for exposure to his program more so than anyone outside of that group. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think the coaches like like Lane Kiffin that are willing to embrace it are the coaches that will have the most success with it. And everybody says, oh, this will be the end for Nick Saban. Look, Nick Saban has seen a lot of changes in football that he frankly spoke out against. You know, do we want football to be this way? And football said, yeah, we want football to be this way. And Nick Saban said, okay, well, if you want football to be this way, I'll accept it and I'll recruit that way and or I'll coach that way. And he's, he's done it and he's been successful every time they've changed it. It's amazing to me how many times people count Nick Saban out because they completely disregard his biggest singular talent. It's not that he's a great defensive coach. He is. It's not that he's, uh, you know, the great evaluator of talent. He is. But a lot of people are great defensive coaches and the great evaluators of talent. There's a lot of people that can go recruit as well as Nick Saban recruits. I mean, he's he's a guy in a living room. There's a bunch of good salesmen in, in college sports. It's his ability to adapt. It's his ability to change and adjust. And, you know, they say people don't change. Nick Saban's changed several times over. I will argue, you know, you could look back on the Saban era when it's done and say, what was what was the pivotal moment of the Saban era? And I, I think you may not say this is the pivotal moment, though there's a good argument for it, but it's certainly one of them, was after the 2013 Iron Bowl, the kick six game, when Auburn masterfully used the uh, masterfully used the offensive rules at that time for their benefit and Nick Saban famously said is this what we want football to be I mean the RPO game had come on the scene there the guy looks like he's downfield three yards turns out to be a pass play and Nick Saban was furious about it and he publicly asked the question is this what we want football to become and college football said yes this is where we want it to go so Nick Saban went out and hired Lane Kiffin and Alabama changed from being a good offensive program that was dominant defensively to being a dominant offensive program that was really good defensively. And Lane Kiffin was the reason for that. And Nick Saban didn't publicly said, I'm not sure this is where we want college football to go. And the rest of college football said, yeah, Nick, this is where we're headed. And Nick said, okay, I can beat you at that game too. And he sure enough did. You mentioned uh, a couple of names just then. You mentioned Lane Kiffin. You didn't say Steve Sarkeesian, but he he replaced Lane Kiffin and, and kind of kept that offense going. Lane Kiffin's at Ole Miss now. Sarkeesian's at Texas. You probably didn't expect this interview would end here, but it's a big topic of conversation here anytime that it comes up. Arch Manning just took a visit to Alabama. Every time that uh, Arch Manning's name comes up here, it's everyone's on pins and needles. Some people are like, it's going to be okay. He's going to come. Some people are like, it's over. It's no way he's not coming. I don't know. I, 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 but I'm curious, you've got contacts, you talk to people, uh, you're around people. What's just kind of your early read on what's going to happen with Arch Manning and how big of a deal it is. Yeah. I, I guess the unknown is how much he wants to play in that Manning shadow at Ole Miss which really wouldn't quite be there at Alabama or a place like that. Not that the Manning name is not royalty in all college football markets. It is, but it's exceptional royalty in Oxford, Mississippi. And, uh, and Cooper's probably royalty for off the field, right? Sure. Just as, just as much as Archie and, and uh, Eli are for on the field. In a lot of ways, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I think, I think, you know, and I don't know that about Arch Manning. He may be a guy that's like, look, I've lived with this name my whole life. It's just as big in New Orleans as it is anywhere. Um, and he may be totally cool with that, but I, you know, it always seems like we just assume those guys are okay with the, being the legacy player and playing where dad made his name or where my uncle or my grandfather, or whatever made his name. Uh, some guys just aren't wired that way. They want to go do their own thing. And I think to a certain extent, now David Cutcliffe being at Tennessee helped, you know, uh, obviously when, when having been at Tennessee with Peyton, I think was a huge selling point for Eli. So, you know, I think Eli was comfortable with it. Peyton, I guess, wasn't as much. So, I don't know. I think that's what it comes down to, right? If he's comfortable with yeah. that, why would you not want to go play for Lane Kiffin? Yeah, Peyton's but, deal is is different because when he was coming out, Ole Miss was in the process of just wrecking their program internally. Right, they were right, NCAA exactly. stuff, and Billy Brewer had hired a veer option quarterback and I mean, cor- offensive coordinator, and I mean, just what a what a train wreck. And the NCAA thing was coming down, and Tennessee had it rolling, and and uh, you know, at the time, Phil Fulmer was recruiting all over the country, and. Um, you know, David Cutcliffe was there and, you know, the relationship that obviously there was a connection there because they're still super connected all these years later. And so we don't really know yet on the other side, Eli was not coming to Ole Miss until Tommy Tuberville left. And then David Cutcliffe got the job and then, then Eli committed to Ole Miss fairly quickly. And, and, you know, the rest of that story. So I, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It's interesting though. He had taken trips to Clemson and Texas and someone fairly close to him was talking to someone in Austin about the difference in the two recruiting pitches. And he said, Clemson let it be known that they want him. Texas let, him, let it be known that they need him. Wow. At Clemson, he, they want him to come in and, and, and be a big part of the program. And at Texas, and again, we're just talking about those two schools only. At Texas, they want him to come in and be a rock star. They want him to come in and be the face of the program. They want him to come in and be the big rebuild. And in some ways, I thought about this a little bit with Ole Miss. Ole Miss needs him and wants him. Yet, I don't even know that if he came to play for Lane Kiffin, as big a name as Arch Manning would be and as big of a face of the program that he would be, he wouldn't be bigger than Lane Kiffin. Everything that Ole Miss does from a marketing standpoint, and it's smart, is Kiffin, 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 and that's what they should do. Um, But that's it's going to be interesting to sort of see what what the kid really wants, you know, because he's going to be able to get whatever it is that he wants. He's going to be super educated on it. It's a big year for Lane Kiffin here for that that storyline is so big because if you told me that Lane Kiffin lands Arch Manning. I'll tell you that at some point in the next two or three years, Ole Miss is in the national playoff. No doubt in my wow, mind. Wow, that'd be phenomenal. If you tell well, me if you tell me that they don't get him, I'm like, well, for the very first time, not that it would be the kiss of death or anything for Kiffin, but the pressure would be on. Yeah, it it, it has the feel. Now this is a much smaller situation, but I know you'll remember when Dennis Franchoni got the Alabama job, and Brody Croyle was the son of John Croyle, for those that don't know, who played, won a national championship as a defender at Alabama and is a uh, great, he, he started a boys and girls camp, so he's a very notable citizen in the state of Alabama. Everybody knows him. And his son was a tremendous high school quarterback, but he didn't fit Dennis Franchoni's system. 
But the day Dennis Franchoni got the job, he knew the first visit he had to make was Brody Croyle because he knew because Brody Croyle was a legacy player, he had to get him. And it, I don't think it's that way with Kiffin. That's my perception anyway. But it always feels like it hurts a little bit more when you don't land the legacy player. And that's not always fair because some of the, sometimes it's just that the kid wants no part of that. But it feels like a more stinging loss when your uncle and your grandfather were stars at that school. Yeah, there's going to be a there's going to be a game this year. It's Ole Miss and LSU. It's in October. It's in Oxford, and they're retiring Eli Manning's number. Eli's getting his number retired with the Giants and with Ole Miss in the same fall. So kudos to him. But I suspect Arch will be here. I'm told Arch and his family will will be here for that day. Obviously. Wow. That's going to be one of those days that you'll. I feel like we'll know a lot at that point. I mean, Ole Miss is yeah. going to obviously put its best foot forward, and the the whole Manning thing in the event that in the event that he's not completely aware of just how big of a deal the Manning name is at Ole Miss, and for the record, he is. But it yeah, I'm pretty, it, I bet he's got a grasp of that. But it will be enforced even more that moment, and and we'll see. You know, it, it that's yeah. going to be a, a a big story. It's going to be a, a story, a fall full of stories, and. I'll be uh, fascinating to see your story and you guys' story unfold as it gets going. I'm super excited for you. I've told you that. I'm I'm just like I'm probably as excited about it as anybody outside of the the your, your group. So I'm I'm watching with. I just think it's going to be a big hit, and I'm kind of kind of looking forward to just being able to kind of tell people, "Yep, see, that's what happens when you kind of bet on yourself when you have a good product." Wow. That's really kind of you to say all of that, and uh, you you were. You were one of the many people um, that we trusted and leaned on and said, hey, give us some advice here. And your advice was critical in us making that decision. So I'm greatly, as a friend, appreciative of that. And that's you to say, and uh, I, I can't wait to get it all cranking. Well, happy 4th to you and your family. I hope you guys have a safe one and a good one. And um, I look forward to seeing you in Birmingham next month, whether it's at Media Days or around Media Days or something. It's been, it's been way too long since we've seen one another in person, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Neil. It's always fun. All right, Ryan. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Again, our thanks to Ryan Brown for his time today on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Uh, known Ryan a long time. Great guy. Super excited for his new venture. I um, think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. I think they're going to be a big deal. I've told Ryan that I think five years from now they're going to look back and have a, a tremendous amount of respect for what they've done and love for what they've done. And I think people are going to enjoy it. I think their brand is going to expand uh, well past the Birmingham market and well past Alabama and even the SEC. I just think I think they're destined to do big things. I think they're going to grow and takes real courage to do what they've done, but I think it was a really smart move. Uh, that pretty much does it for me this week. I might have one more interview that I tape over the weekend that I'll get to you guys over the course of this week. Not sure about that, though, so in the event that that's it for me, have a great uh, rest of your week. Enjoy the 4th. I'll be back on Monday the 5th going on um, my annual boys trip with my son Carson. We didn't get to take one last year because of the pandemic. And realistically, he's not going to want to do these forever. So we're doing one uh, this week that he's excited about. I'm excited about. So excited to get away and spend some time with him, kind of recharge the batteries. Looking forward to July. A lot of football coming your way. I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be a fun season, a fun season for fans. You guys get to get back into the Grove. Uh, you get to go back into stadiums. 
we get to get back to having some um, in-person access and some normalcy and it's an exciting time and I think it's going to be a big year and we have big plans here at MPW Digital for that. So again, thanks to Ryan. Chase Parham will be back with you on Tuesday and uh, take you through whatever he has planned for uh, this week. That's a little bit of an off week kind of for both of us. So until next time, take care.